1: Each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is, of course, Celtics pride finally showing up after the beatdowns in Boston last week. Uh, last night, they shocked, literally shocked the sports world by storming back from a 21-point deficit to beat the Cavaliers in Cleveland in game three, and uh, I've watched the Celtics for years and years, and there really is something to this Celtics pride. I can't begin to count how many games that you just never thought they had a chance to win, be it on the road, at home, what the situation, and somehow, some way, they get it done. But I don't know if there was ever a more unlikely win than last night uh, in Celtics history. And that's saying something. Coming off the worst loss, basically, in Celtics history on Friday night in Game 5. Game 2, excuse me, here in Boston. I'm already thinking Game 5 because the result of last night's uh, mega upset is is that uh, Game 5 is guaranteed now back here in Boston, which has the city jumping, just that possibility at minimum, Uh, get to see him one more time. So many things to get to after last night, Uh, but we'll start with, you know, the game-winning play. Uh, Brad Stevens, who is just uh, building quite the reputation as the master of calling plays coming out of timeouts, uh, called his all-time greatest play last night. They reviewed it. Consistently on TNT, ESPN, dissected it, analyzed it, and it was just a spectacular play that basically left uh, J.R. Smith and uh, Iman Iman Shumpert uh, following uh, a Celtic player into the key, Uh, Crowder, I believe it was, thereby leaving Avery Bradley uh, pretty much wide open for the game winning shot a three uh courtesy of uh of a beautiful pick out there uh to get him freed up and uh so it was just really how horford said it and uh clearly the leprechaun the celtic leprechaun traveled to cleveland because the game winning shot uh Had as much drama as a game-winning shot can have since it kind of bounced around a little bit in there. Took at least two bounces on the rim. Uh, Not big bounces, small bounces. Kind of surprising given it was a three. Uh, But it was just uh, magical, to say the least. Uh, Prior to that, um, Marcus Smart played the game of his life. Not unlike Kelly Olynyk, played the game of his life in Game 7, when the Celtics beat the Wizards to even get to this spot. Jonas Jarepko, uh, basically haven't seen much of him whatsoever uh, in the postseason, hit some huge shots. And basically, uh, you know, he stood up to the Cavs, a little chippiness, and he's really the first Celtic to do it in this series. And boy, that just really seemed to wake wake up the entire team. Of course, all this was done in the, with the, in the absence of the Celtics' best player, obviously Isaiah Thomas, who's uh, been, by many, maybe many and most accounts, the story of the offseason, uh, of uh, the postseason. And it was uh, just incredible. A lot of analysis is going to come out of this one because Isaiah's uh, status as a pending max player is uh, both national and certainly local talk uh, here in the Boston area. But it was just, uh, and then the reason is simply as they were pointing out during the game, where you know the we all know the tendency of a team to stand around when you have a superstar and just watch him do his thing. Uh, Last night, there was none of that. The Celtics were uh, all doing their part. It was really, really spread out. Um, They were cutting. They were passing. They were looking like the team that we saw for large parts of this year that ultimately resulted in the number one seed. So, on the other side of the coin, of course, there's LeBron, played maybe... uh, the worst game of his postseason career, and certainly the worst game since uh, the Dallas uh, loss in the finals uh, to uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So he was chippy in the postgame. He he certainly shouldered the blame. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. All credit to him. Uh, On the flip side, he kind of snapped at a reporter. It was pretty interesting. Certainly, uh, as a member of the media, I, I watch this stuff with great interest. these post-game press conferences, especially having sat through many of them, Eastern Conference finals included, Heat Celtics in 2012 to be specific. And, uh, you know, he talked to a reporter about uh, he only shows up when they loses or lose or and or ask questions when they lose. So that was a interesting exchange. Bottom line, going to be fascinating to watch what we get tomorrow night. Uh, to say the least, um, we're going to find out what both teams are made of once and for all, but again, all credit to the Celtics, uh, has a team ever been less likely to win a game than last night? Uh, I say no, I think they were the biggest underdogs, maybe, you know, came back, uh, Something about 16 and a half years since there's been a a game quite like that. Vegas odds, things like that. Just crazy. Well, my low light of the week is the other uh, series going on with Golden State and San Antonio. And it's just uh, so disappointing uh, to be happening without Kawhi Leonard. It just could have been an epic series based on... The game won San Antonio blowout through three quarters or not three quarters, about midway through the third quarter when Kawhi got hurt. Let's not forget. Uh, San Antonio was blowing out the Warriors in Golden State. The Warriors now, Warriors storm back and won all credit to them after Kawhi left the game. Hasn't been seen since on the court. And uh, I just think it would have been a great series. It was just shaping up to be truly something special. Instead, the Warriors are really cruising, have a chance to close it out tonight. Uh, we shall see uh, in San Antonio. Uh, after what I saw last night, I certainly don't put it past the Spurs, another proud franchise, to uh, show up uh, tonight and show what they're made of. Uh, my bizarre story of the week is the Pittsburgh Penguins. whitewash of of the Ottawa Senators yesterday. And the first period onslaught of four goals to go up 4-0 was, in my mind, the hockey version of what the Cavaliers did to the Celtics on Friday night when they were up 50 in the first half. So uh, it seems to me the Penguins and I got together with uh, the Pittsburgh fan club here in Boston to watch it. It was fabulous. Uh, especially that first period. It was just awesome to see. And uh, I think the Penguins may have turned the corner now. Boy, that was really quite a show. Uh, we'll get more answers again tomorrow night when they travel to Ottawa with a chance to close out the Senators in Game 6 on the Senators' home ice. Uh it's a great time of year. This is when you really find out what teams are made of. But again, Penguins are defending champions It's been a long time, since the 90s, since an NHL champion repeated. That's what they're hoping to do. And based on what we all saw yesterday, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, again, uh, they serve notice that they are back to their championship form. It's been up and down. But here they are, poised to uh, one win away to go to the NHL finals, the Stanley Cup finals. So, uh, lastly, before we go to our break, uh, big weekend coming up here in Boston. The NCAA Lacrosse National Championships uh, all weekend long at Gillette Stadium. I will be covering them uh, right down the road from where I'm speaking now. It's going to be a great Memorial Day weekend. They've had a few of these up here before, these NCAA Lacrosse Championships. And uh, looking forward to it uh, again. This year, always great to cover these NCAA championships in any sport. And uh, and lac- lacrosse is big here. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see Coach Belichick use the cross fan like we uh, maybe at Gillette for some of it, uh, like we saw him at the Preakness on Saturday, all dressed up and looking good. And uh, speaking of the Preakness, there will obviously not be a Triple Crown winner this year always dreaming really faded at the end surprising uh but it was a great two horse race uh and cloud computing by a nose at the finish so great stuff at the preakness so now let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert ap studham Bama magazine so don't go anywhere
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now, just like the game itself you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
1: The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, doing great, John. Doing great. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you, as always, and uh, lots going on in the sports world, the uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals I covered the Celtics uh, amazing uh, and unlikely upset last night uh, and it's kind of funny just using that word I don't often use the word upset when describing like professional sports that's more of a college term I think but uh, <laughs> right. okay. that word does apply for last night I think uh, You know, they were like one of the biggest underdogs in the history of postseason NBA play, if not all of sports. There is no one on the planet, uh, including here in Boston, expected them to win that game last night. And lo and behold, they did it. So I think Celtics pride is real AP.
4: Yeah, John, who who could ever predict? I mean, you lost the the prior game, what, 44 points? And then you're you're going to be without your best player? Exactly, and you win. You win the game. I mean, that scenario—if you describe it—it's it, a fantasy.
1: Exactly in Cleveland, no less. After the the beatdowns in Boston in games one and two, uh, just incredible. But uh, you know, I, I certainly gave the the Boston view, uh, but the other view that cannot be taken for granted. You, you know, LeBron—he just didn't show up. Uh, he, he just. It's the worst. I think it's his worst postseason game ever. Uh, That's saying something. I think he's played a couple hundred of them and certainly the worst (laughs) since the the Dallas series when he was with the Heat in the finals and they lost. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, and let's not forget, I mean, they, they had a 21 point lead. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, the Celtics come out and you know, showed him who's boss right from the get-go, you know, yeah, they had, yeah, yeah. They, they went up to nothing. It was the first lead they had in the entire series. Start with that. <laughs> uh, but again, when you combine all this is, you know, happening in Cleveland, um, it, it just all the more unlikely. I mean, it was just a coronation. It wasn't, you know, it was a much more in a home game. It was just like, let's go get this done. And I actually heard a report, AP, that was interesting yesterday where they were talking about this on Boston radio, sort of throughout the day, where I guess the Celtics showed up at the arena in Cleveland, Quicken Loans Arena, for their morning shoot around. And everyone said, these Boston reporters on the radio throughout the day yesterday, that they have never seen a more listless group or team ever on game day, that they all had the look of like, you know, how quickly can we get this over? When is this going to end? And so, you know, that was like a backdrop. This was sort of the drumbeat, uh, you know, floating through Boston yesterday on local radio. So, again, it just goes on and on. I mean, the the list of why you thought they were going to lose was endless, and there was not one reason, including morning shoot-around, to think they would ever, ever do it. But that's why we love sports, AP. Last night was a real a real reminder of that. It really was for me personally.
4: Yeah, a lot of people, they like to call sports entertainment, but you don't see anything like this in entertainment. I mean, this unscripted drama that you don't know which side will come out smiling and which side will come out with a surprised look on their face. And John, have you heard anybody yet describe this moment as something that's been Repeated, you know, happened in the past because I don't, I can't recall something of this nature.
1: No, I was going through the annals, you know, maybe the the first one that comes to mind of like a game that I didn't think they could win that they didn't, and then their history is just full of them. They really are. But the one that comes right to mind is maybe the most recent, which was 2012 against Miami. Uh, you know, when they went down and won Game Five in Miami. Uh, no one ever thought they were going to be able to do that, uh, even though they were a great team. That was the Pierce, Garnett, Ray Allen team. But, you know, it was just completely yeah. unlikely. And then, you know, the Game 6 back in Boston, when I, which I covered, which was the all-time, you know, let's-get-ready-for-a-party night in, that I could ever remember in the history of Boston sports, literally, uh, was the night, as I like to say, and I've discussed it many times on this show and with you is just, you know, the night LeBron was born and LeBron, we know today and had that epic 46 point multiple rebound, multiple assists, multiple everything game. And we all know the rest of the story. And then they went on the heat, one game seven. Uh, but yeah, that, that one comes to mind. Uh, but. AP, you know, as someone who's watched them my entire life, there's no team that really wins these gritty gut-check games like the Celtics, and again, their their history's just littered with them time and time again, but I don't think anyone was ever more unlikely or unexpected than last night, I really don't.
4: No, especially since those two games in Boston, and then the, in the second game was that 44 points, and you went out, your best player, and... The other team is just, they have that emotional edge, they're thinking they're going to go up three to zip and just end this thing quickly the mm-hmm. next game. They had to be stunned with the, with the final outcome. It stunned. Incredible.
1: Just incredible, AP. I mean, truly stunned. Uh, you know, most important, I mean, number one, I mean, the Cavs led the Celtics by 50 in the first half. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life, period, in, no. uh, like in any game. Because any no, other sport did. you might see it in, you know, they, they, you know, they put a, put on the mercy roll, so you never it never gets that way. <laughs> that it seems. Right. I mean, you don't even see this in like, you know, when you have these like great uh, college teams playing, you know, uh, the Good Sisters of the Poor. You don't see fifty point leads in the first half. It you just don't see that ever anywhere and to see it in the eastern conference finals i mean uh, uh, you know on the on the losing team's home court just off the charts um so yeah but ap I don't, you know the post game exchange was interesting with lebron uh in that you know you and i as media members love this stuff uh he took full blame acknowledged it was one of his worst games ever. He just you know, wasn't into it for whatever reason, uh, a la James Harden, <laughs> uh, Yeah, a few, a few weeks back. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, LeBron. Um, but AP snapped at a reporter. It was pretty fascinating. A guy from, I guess, a TV station in Cleveland asked a question. LeBron answered. And then he said, and this was fascinating, I was watching it live, that he, he said to the guy, Uh, You know, in in the crowded, packed media press room, um, you only show up. It seems like you only show up and ask questions when we lose. (laughs) So it wasn't, no, you you only show up when we lose, and that's the only time you ever ask questions. And then he, like, said something to him, apparently, walking off the stage, uh, again, in front of a lot of people. uh, I I think he said something I heard this morning, like, you know, don't come back here or something to that effect. But AP, it was a, you know, w- we love watching this stuff. I mean, we don't from a media, we don't see, enjoy seeing a fellow media member. But, you know, since you and I are so well versed in the media exchange with athletes, uh, anytime something like this comes up, it certainly gets our attention.
4: Yeah, that that confrontation, of always make the headline. and Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there must be something between those two. It's has to be. to make those comments, I mean, because no, normally the, the player, if they know you locally, that's one thing. But if you're just among the crowd, they just answer the question and move on. So there must be something between them.
1: There has to be. Yeah, he, again, I'm 99, quite sure he's a local TV guy. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, they show the guy ask the question. They show LeBron give the answer. So it's not like just this sort of voice from the crowd, so to speak, that you're not seeing who's asking it. So it was all very uh, uh, very visible for all to see. Uh, you know, given LeBron's history, I'm guessing he's regretting it today unless the something between them is uh, something bad, <laughs> like, you know, or has a history. Right,
4: right. And, but, and, John, you know, I don't see the point of making a big deal with this reporter, or this media member. Because whether you asked it, I asked it somebody from Cleveland, some from Boston, just, you know, just go with the flow of
1: the question. Oh, it was a routine question, AP. Was, in fact, it was basically yeah. a follow-up to other questions that were being asked. I mean, this was as benign a question as you could ever see. Uh, you know, no one would question that. This was not in any way uh, an inflammatory or insightful question by any means. It was beyond routine. Um, which is what made it all the more surprising. But, you know, uh, LeBron is great with the media, very savvy, to put it mildly. Uh, So, really, it was surprising to see, but it just, uh, you know, shows the frustration. Let's not forget here, the Celtics, or excuse me, the Cavs had won 13 in a row. They had won 10 in a row this postseason, plus the three at the end last year when they were down 3-1 to the Warriors, uh, I believe that tied a record. to last night, they were going for the all-time NBA record for most postseason wins in a row, even though it spanned two seasons. Let's also not forget—you know—again, they were ten and zero, and looking to stay undefeated in the postseason. But more important, just as importantly, if not more importantly, you know, they're 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 matching the Warriors right now. I mean, they're just sending each other messages cross-country with each game and the Warriors are now the ones that are sitting at 11 and 0 looking to go to 12 and 0 tonight (laughs) and which is just remarkable it's amazing so you know let's not forget I mean so the Cavs cost themselves not only a chance at history last night setting the all-time NBA record for consecutive postseason wins but you know they they finally fell behind the Warriors uh, you know, they became the first of the two teams to lose a playoff game this year, which is remarkable just saying it. Like, if you step back and think about it, so uh, you know, a lot to be frustrated about, you know, by LeBron and every other member of the team. Um, you know, it, it, it's the, again, they were in shock. There's no other way to say it. I mean. We were in shock. John, Celtic think, fans were in yeah, shock. Yeah, we we
4: <laughs> and, and John, I think it's kind of an annoyance to them now.
1: To the Celtics—they did—they won. They and now we have to play an extra game. Did well, that's it. They ha- yeah, they have to come back to Boston. Number one, let's start with that. They'll be back here for Game Five. That—that that is beyond an annoyance. That—that that upsets the master plan of you know sweep, then rest, then, which is exactly what they've been doing the first two rounds. Uh, But more important than ever this round because, obviously, the Warriors are next. And you can't, uh, based on what we saw from the rested Cavs the first two games, you can't overemphasize the importance of rest, especially heading into the finals against the Warriors, even though that doesn't start till June 1, hard to believe. Um, So they were looking at eight days off again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you know but yeah psychologically i mean you know coming back to boston for game five and all that uh, another road trip entails is that upsets the master plan there is no other way to say it
4: yeah those guys i mean they figure we we can just take care of this team we'll get it done we'll have more days to rest we'll we'll make a statement as you said a bold statement to throw that to the west coast and let's see if they can match us and Right, their their mindset is this is over before it even started to play the Celtics. We're, we're just going to sweep them, no problem. You know, no fuss, no muss. We're just going to go on to the West Coast and play the Golden State Warriors for the title again.
1: Oh yeah, no question. They were going to sweep tomorrow night, and I'm sure they had cookouts and things like that planned for uh, Wednesday. There's no question, I mean, none. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I'm not. You, know, I'm not even like, you know criticizing them for it again no one thought otherwise and I mean no one and anybody who says they did uh, is misremembering to say the least Uh, well AP hard to believe we've come to the end of our uh, first segment together but why don't we take a break now we'll get to some more uh, more on the other side 346 9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. I'm back on the line with us as our weekly call-in expert, AP Studham, of Bama Magazine. And AP, we were talking a little Celtics basketball prior to the break. <clears throat> so I have to ask: it got me thinking last night. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs, a team, an organization that knows a little bit about uh, pride and history, Um, they're facing a sweep tonight in their own building. So I couldn't help but wonder, watching last night, uh, what your opinion is on tonight's game. Are the Spurs going to do tonight to the Warriors what the Celtics did last night to the Cavs? In other words, shock the world, basically.
4: I mean, they have a lot of pride, as you said, in their organization. So that that wouldn't stun me if, if they won, especially in front of their home fans. They're, they're very loyal, vocal, and Popovich, he has a way with getting his, his team to play hard. So, if they won this game, uh, it wouldn't be unexpected, let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, like the Celtics there, without their best player, Kawhi Leonard, uh, one of the league's best players, as is Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think tonight's game is more watchable due to the celtics upset last night i mean uh i think i'm not alone in just seeing it's a natural train of thought to see if the other you know uh tried and true tested champion uh five championships in the last whatever 20 years or so uh you know, is just going to basically refuse to get swept on their own floor, with or without their best player. They're just, you know, <laughs> right, 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 you know, me. it's fascinating. Again, yet another reason we love sports for for this kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah, different different city, uh, different team, uh, different scenario. But Rudy Tomjanovich
1: never never underestimate the heart of a champion. Exactly. There you go. Perfectly said. Um, and, and as Charles Barkley repeatedly said last night, uh, never underestimate the competition. You know, a, the Celtics are an NBA team, too. Although they didn't look like it in Boston last week. They are. And, uh, again, just fascinating, fascinating game to watch last night. And I hope we get another one tonight. It'll be interesting. Uh, but anyway, lots of other activities going on. And sounds like you have some... Uh, some college football updates, as we love, to, we love our college football on this show. And uh, as always, you've been uh, deeply involved year-round, right?
4: Yeah, always some college football around Alabama, John. It
1: never, That's right. never ends.
4: Guy. It's continuous. And uh, I had the opportunity last week. It was the Jimmy Rain uh, Scholarship Charity Banquet in Montgomery, Alabama. It's a great event. They bring in 70-plus celebrities, uh, former coaches and players. Uh, the keynote speaker was Dabo Sweeney, hmm. uh, two members of the college football selection committee there, Bobby Johnson, the former Vanderbilt Furman coach, and also legendary coach Frank Beamer of Virginia Tech. Wow. So, uh, you know, you got a, got a chance to visit with uh, Coach Beamer. Uh, I mean, just to give you an idea of some of the other people there, Cam Newton, Bo Jackson, uh, Gene Stallings, Pat Dye, uh, Bruce Pearl, Wimp Sanderson, Sonny Smith, uh, Joe Cribbs, uh, Antonio Langham, uh, yeah, there's just a number of people there. Uh, Vince Dooley it just goes on and on. Uh, you, it's hard to remember them all, but had, had a good a good conversation with uh, an interview that the folks can can look at that at com with Frank Deemer We discussed his first year uh, upcoming to be on the selection committee to to choose the four teams for the national championship.
1: So Frank Beamer will be on the college football playoff committee. Um, you said you wrote an article uh, after interviewing Coach Beamer uh, for BamaMag.com?
4: Sure did. Wrote, wrote an introductory uh, article and then we had a video. I think it was close to 10 minutes long, a discussion.
1: Excellent. Wow. So, so now... So- that's good. Cool. Who did he succeed? There was someone uh had some health issues as I remember.
4: Yeah, Lloyd Carr, I think Lloyd exactly. Carr, right. Yeah, John, I I think there's actually three new people on that committee this 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 uh that were named for this season. Um so he he's one of the three and uh, there's it, normally it's a three year term.
1: Okay. So, well yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, I was just going to yeah, say when I
4: think, of, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go ahead, John. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, you know, Frank Beamer is indeed legendary, and the reason is very simple. To me, one of the uh, hallmarks of any legend is when you think of something, you instantly think of this person. And when I think of football special teams, I instantly <laughs> think of Frank Beamer. I.e., I think he's <laughs> the greatest special teams coach in the history of football. Period. Does that, does that sound right. about right to you?
4: That's right. That's correct. That sure is. Yeah. That sure is. So, uh,
1: yeah. Great Frank, coach all around, right. but that was his specialty. Yeah, that fame. was his
4: specialty. That, you know, defense and the special teams.
1: Correct. Special Definitely teams. Blocking the
4: kicks, extra points, punts, field goals. You name it. His teams did it while he was at Virginia Tech.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, So how was he? He just seems like he would be a great interview and just a really, really, uh, you know, likable person.
4: Yeah, he's very uh, personable. I interviewed him before Mobile for a few moments. And when I sat down with him, he was very forthcoming about the methodology he will use. And I think, you know, as as a football coach, numbers are nice, John, all those metrics and everything. But he's going to try to narrow things down to what happens in that fourth quarter and how many players you had injured. And, and when he's looking at the statistics, you're trying to get comparable numbers against comparable uh, competition. Because if not, then they don't really mean anything. Uh, so, and then he's, he's also interested in your strength of schedule. I mean, that's one of the prime uh, guidelines but he's going to look at that closely the strength of competition and and what you've done and who you beat and what was the game so those are some of the things that are will be the
1: main factors in his decision okay all right um yeah well he's uh so who else has joined the uh the CFP this year are there other, yeah, other I, new members yeah, as well? I
4: believe, I believe, John, I think it was Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director. Okay. And, All right. And then the other the other gentleman, I, I believe this is correct, is Chris Christopher B. Howard. He was um, the Robert Morris University President. and He was a former Air Force running back.
1: Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah.
4: So, are... Yeah, so that... those are the three new, new, new people on the committee. And, you know, if you want to look at the other ones that are still there, you have the chairperson is Kirby, Kirby up from Texas Tech. Uh, oh, yeah. Jeff Bauer, the former Southern Miss coach. Uh, Herb Duramidi was the former Central Michigan coach. Tom Jurenstead was the former NCA executive. Then I mentioned Bobby Johnson was at the, the banquet and the golf event, a uh, former Vanderbilt coach. And Jeff Long, the Arkansas Athletic Director. Rob Mullins, the Oregon Athletic Director. And Dan Radikovich, who I've interviewed in the past, he's the Clemson, Clemson Athletic Director. And then Steve Weiberg, the former USA Today reporter. And then also you have Ty, um, uh, Tyrone Willingham, Notre Dame, Stanford, Washington coach.
1: All right. All right. Um, well, hard to believe we're, uh, you know, not that far, really. Just a summer away now, and, uh. But, AP, it sounds like a great event. I mean, that was a serious uh, group of A-listers you, you read off there, starting with Cam Newton and Bo Jackson. Uh, uh, they don't get any much bigger than those two.
4: No, no, and I, I didn't even mention, you know, Ozzie Newsom was there. Uh, wow. Johnny Davis uh, you know, was there, former fullback in Alabama. Uh, so I didn't want to go to sleep, John.
1: I'll bet. I'll bet. So this was in Montgomery. Montgomery, yeah, Bobby Humphrey, you know, the day out of
4: Mullen, and Bobby, you know, two time All American, and Denver Bronco running back, uh, AFC rookie of the year on the offense. I mean, just, uh, the names keep popping in my head as I try to visualize the, the dais, which is about four rows
1: that you can imagine. Johnny Majors was there. Oh, wow. Um, Johnny Majors. Uh, now, there's a big name. Yeah, right, right. I mean, really. I mean, I remember him with the coach, coach of Pitt, right?
4: Correct. Yeah. Pittsburgh National Championship 1976 brought in Tony Dorsett and 70 other players that first
1: year. Right. And that's uh, and I, of course, basically went to every game that year because, you know, I went to college 90 minutes away from Pittsburgh. And uh, uh, although we used to go to a lot of Penn State games, boy, that year (laughs) to go see Tony Dorsett, we we went over basically to every home game that year, and what an awesome, unforgettable year that was, to say the least. Uh, Matt Cavanaugh oh, oh, yeah. was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Undefeated national champions, what can you say? And Tony Dorsett, has any other player ever taken the college football world by storm quite like him? I mean, he he may be tied, but I don't think anybody's ever <clears throat> ever done it more so than him.
4: No, no, I I think the first time... I I can't remember the year. Well, I guess the year that I remember he was maybe a junior. I guess it was, and they went down to Georgia. I think in Tide Georgia, and that was kind of a big moment. Right. Um, played them down, down in Georgia at one time? So. Yeah, well, he was a freshman right that away.
1: year. Yeah, and he was a freshman that year. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I mean... that was
4: impressive because Pittsburgh was not on my radar. Being a top team to go down to the
1: Southeastern Conference and tie them. Correct. I mean, you know, when the dictionary has the phrase "burst onto the scene," I think you could put Tony Dorsett <laughs> right there as the right, definition. Right. I mean, he's really one of the all-timers. Uh, but this this sounds great. So, was it a lunch, an evening event, like black tie, uh, or just? Yeah, that was a
4: event? Uh, a banquet. Uh, okay. business Business attire. And there was a social event, and they had some items to bid on for the auction. And it's a great organization. They've given 348 scholarships since 2002. They gave
1: out three, uh, 34 this year. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, boy, that sounds great. Was it last Saturday night in Montgomery?
4: It, it was a Thursday night. We had the banquet. And then Friday morning at 9 o'clock was the golf event. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, that, that was the golf event. So, I had a chance to. Uh, actually drove around. My friend Johnny Davis we drove around and uh, golfed on Friday. I just, I was just his driver,
1: as you might say. <laughs> sure, sure. I hear you. Well, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of yet another segment. Still a few more things to get to, and we'll do so after the break.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Sports and medicine go hand in hand.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Waste America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. I'm back on the line with us as our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studdham of Bama Magazine, and before we get started, my pick of the week for, the, for appointment viewing is tomorrow night's Celtics-Cavaliers game four in Cleveland. Uh, given the stunning upset by the Celtics last night in Cleveland, it's uh, going to be fascinating to watch. What will LeBron do? What will the Celtics do? Long list of uh, questions to be answered, so it should be uh, appointment television tomorrow night, to say the least. Uh, but AP... We were talking uh, the great event you attended in montgomery football related event, and sounds like you even have more information uh, and stories to tell from uh, the event you went to this week
4: I, I sure do John. I was at breakfast early in the morning before the golf tournament started on Friday, and I sat down and I was talking to uh uh, he was Johnny Davis was to my left, and then I just looked to my right, and sitting there was Bo Jackson. Wow! So, so we we got into a little conversation, and we were talking. He kind of chimed in and just mentioned the fact that many people are talking about the skill position. You know, we're not sure about our quarterback or, or running backs, and and Bo I mean he was a fabulous running back. He said. If you don't have a a, a fantastic offensive line, everything else is disrupted. I mean, your quarterback cannot operate. The running backs cannot get to the hole. The receivers won't be getting the passes in a timely fashion because the the defensive line is is harassing the quarterback. So I thought that was interesting from a, a superstar running back to place the emphasis on having an outstanding offensive line.
1: That is interesting, to say the least. Uh, you know, the, maybe the the biggest unsung heroes in all of sports are the offensive line in football, for any football team. It's rare that they're, uh, you know, that you even really know too many of the names or whatever. But so to hear Bo Jackson, of all people, say that, uh, you know, That's a showstopper. That's an opinion that matters by any means. Uh, You know, when you think about Bo Jackson, he's truly one of, you know, the top athletes in the history of American sports. Top ten. Easy, if not top three.
4: Given his baseball career. Right. And him to be sitting there, and it it meant enough for him to speak up at the table to make those comments. So we were just having a casual breakfast before everyone was set to golf and tee off.
1: Absolutely. Uh well boy again that that just sounds like a fabulous event. Uh you know, glad you got to go and it sounds like you have other, you know, great events coming up. I mean, I love, you know, we all love the college, you know, the college sports. Uh I myself am covering the NCAA lacrosse national championships all weekend long, nonstop stop games. Uh, this weekend Memorial Day weekend it's this I believe the third time that they've been up here and I've covered them before and it's fabulous uh, I'm hoping Be- coach Belichick shows up uh, I saw him at the preakness dressed to the nines coat and tie the whole bit on <laughs> Saturday he looked he looked great he really did um, he of course grew up in Annapolis, right near Baltimore, so I wasn't surprised to see him there for that in that regard. But uh, yeah, he's a huge lacrosse fan, and I mean huge. His daughter was like the lacrosse coach at, you know, Ohio State, and I think uh, you know other schools as well, both assistant and head coach. So yeah, I'm hoping uh, we see Coach Belichick at Gillette Stadium this weekend to catch catching a little lacrosse.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I, You know, he played at Wesleyan, I believe, and I think his daughter might be the coach at Wesleyan right now.
1: You're right. That's exactly where she's at. Yes, she's had a fabulous career. And, uh, yeah, she's tremendous. And, you know, she has the coaching genes, like her father and her grandfather. Uh, before him, uh, the whole family does. Two sons both work for the Patriots. Uh, and she's really making a name for herself in lacrosse, Amanda Belichick. Uh, but AP, yeah. So that's what I'm doing, uh, here, uh, Memorial day weekend. It's going to be really a lot of fun. Lacrosse fans are fantastic. They are really into their sport. So uh, they really bring a certain energy, uh, you know, that's unique and different with, uh, compared with other sports. Uh, I can't wait.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, John, then the rest of the week, uh, they have an event here in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. It's a large football preview, and Larch is an organization. They work with people uh, who have intellectual disabilities, and and they have these communities where they can live together and operate so they can feel a little bit of independence. Uh, and so this football preview will have the new athletic director at Alabama, Greg Byrne, and the Auburn athletic, athletic director, Jay Jacobs, and then they'll have an assistant from Florida State, I believe it's Tim Brewster, and Dave Aranda, assistant from LSU, head coach of South Alabama, Joey Jones, Charles Davis, the former defensive back at Tennessee with Fox, um, and also uh, Taylor Zarzar at uh, Sirius Radio, Taylor's from Mobile, actually. And some other local people, Randy Kennedy does radio here, and it's quite an event, and I really look forward, so we'll have some conversations about the game of football, and of course, Alabama's opening with Florida State, so we'll talk to the Florida State assistant, so so that would be fun.
1: That's going to be great. Wow. Um, And that's not the only event on your schedule, isn't there? Uh, Some SEC activities going on soon? Yeah, and then the
4: very next week on Tuesday after Memorial Day in Destin, Florida will be the SEC Spring Meetings. That is with the presidents of the university, the directors of athletics, the head football coaches, head basketball coach, head women's basketball coach, the SIDs, sports information people. And so uh, that's for about three or four days in Destin, Florida. Looking forward to those discussions. And we actually have a little social function on Tuesday
1: evening, poolside, right on the the Gulf. On the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. Destin, Florida is a nice, nice town. And I know that's a big event. uh, Same place every year, right? Same place every year, sure. San Destin, Hilton. Well, it must be spring meeting week because I noticed where the, uh, you know, the American Athletic Conference is also holding uh, their uh, annual meeting, is what they call it, down in uh, Key Biscayne <clears throat> on uh, May 30th. Again, yeah, day after Memorial Day through June 1st. So basically the exact same time.
4: It, that, that'd be a nice place to, to visit as well.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if you can't be in uh, Destin, uh, Key Biscayne would also be uh, a great spot. It'll be great. We talked about this last week. Mike Aresco, the commissioner. Of the American Athletic Conference, his uh, contract has been extended, so I'm sure it'll be a really uh, uh, fun meeting, forward-looking, and, you know, really be able to make some some plans. Uh, you know, they want to get to the Power Five AP, just like the, you know, just like the SEC. They They seem bound and determined to become a member of the power five or have it expand to a power six, whatever you want to call it. But the, you you know, and they have some pretty, uh, you know, they've had some pretty good accomplishments in the first few years under coach or under Mike Oresco, So commissioner Mike Oresco, So that'll be fun to watch. You and I both keep our eyes on the AAC very closely. Oh
4: yeah. If anybody can make that happen, it's Mike, Mike Oresko. He dynamic personality and,
1: He's a person that can bridge the gaps between individuals. Correct, correct. And, of course, let's not forget they added Memphis uh, recently to get to be – they're now going to be a a 12-team conference and uh, certainly geographically spread out like no other. But, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end uh, end of another show. Really appreciate your expertise and input, as always, and, uh, and thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure, John. Thank you very much. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.